This morning's sermon passage is Matthew 11, 25 through 30. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. Let's pray. Our great God, we are so thankful that you've sent your son to make yourself known to us. We're so thankful that you, by your spirit, have preserved the true stories of Jesus that we can know them and know him and know you. And we're so thankful that by your spirit, you have uh, drawn us to yourself and you've given us eyes of faith and you've opened our minds and our hearts to see the beautiful gift that is Christ the Lord. Lord, we take none of this for granted today. And if we do, we repent and we ask you uh, to forgive us and to change our disposition toward your good gospel. Lord, my prayer today is that your people, gathered in your name, gathered around your word, would see Jesus would come to Jesus, and in coming to him, find true rest, find true healing, find true deliverance. Lord, would this be a day where your power is put on display in the way you work in and through broken people? Pray this in Jesus' name. Well, friends, I'm going to say the same thing I said last night. Um, I understand the audience and the context, um, and that some of you are holding more kids than um, you have legs. So I'm aware of all of that. Also, I want to preach for about four hours on this one passage. Um, so we'll see how it goes. We figured it out last night. We'll see how it goes today, a different passage. You just never know, never know. Um, and I know we have some folks here today that grew up in a cross-cultural missionary context that are like, you just go all day if you need to. And I know there are others that are like, no, my ham's gonna be done at 11.30 and I need to be home. So we're gonna navigate that together. Let me just boil this down as simply as I can. Jesus did not come so we could, in an unemotional, sentimental way, say how sweet Jesus was born. That's not the point. Jesus came to change eternity, to change reality, and to change people. 
And I just wonder if the way we, we consider and respond to the Christmas story is emblematic of how we consider and respond to Jesus. And there's a clear imperative, a clear do this in this passage. And it, it, here it is. Jesus said, come to me. I am good and I change realities. I change destinies. I change eternities. So Jesus came, we celebrate, so that broken, hurting, sinful, shamed, guilt-filled people would come to him and find healing and rest and redemption and restoration. Don't trust me. Just hear the words of Jesus. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So here's the one point for this morning. Jesus is inviting all of us, all of us, no matter how we came in here today, and no matter how we might leave, he's inviting us to bring all of the mess of who we are to him and allow him to be the God who redeems and restores and heals and makes all things new. Let me, let me start with an illustration and then we're going to look at our text. It's Matthew chapter 11 verse 25 through 30. There are Bibles under the chair in front of you if you want to grab one and turn there. Have you ever gone to a funeral of a person that you really didn't know that well? You know, like you were there to support a friend who was like the cousin of the person who passed away or something. Like, by the way, it's good that you go do that. It's good to go and support. That's not in the text. I'm just throwing that out there as some free life advice. But, um, but those are odd moments for me, right? Like I didn't know the person. I'm not particularly grieving anything about the loss of that person. But I'm standing there going through line and I'm going to get closer and closer to the loved ones. And then I'm going to come to a casket of a person that I didn't know. I never spoke with. I have no emotion interpersonally with that person. And so I kind of get there and I want to be respectful to the family, but, but it just kind of feels like if I'm being honest, and I hope you don't think I'm an evil person, at it, it, that moment, it just kind of feels like, man, this is really sad. And then I move on, right? Anybody had that, that moment before? There's one brother over here who can identify with my hard-heartedness. Thank you. I see you. But you guys understand what the, the, the picture I'm trying to lay out here. The, the, like, like it, it's a human reality. It happens. I just can't help but think that that's how many of us move through this Christmas story. Like, oh, sweet baby Jesus, thank you, you came. I'm just going to move on and nothing's going to be different or changed about me. That's not it. That's not it. What we're celebrating today is a savior who came to the earth to invite people to find real 
deliverance, real healing, real hope, real power of God on display to make all things new. That's the invitation. That's the Jesus that we're called on to consider today. So what Jesus does in this passage is he gives us some wrong ways to try to find God's saving power, and he gives us one right way to experience God's saving power, okay? We're, we're going to do this, all right? So first, some wrong ways to encounter God's saving power. The passage begins, and it's kind of odd, right? Jesus is, is praying, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven, that you've hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. So Jesus is saying here that the path to God doesn't flow through greater knowledge, hidden insights made new, little nuggets to get us through the day as spiritual pick-me-ups. That's not the way to God. So he says, Lord, I thank you that the way of the kingdom is not opened merely for the wise and understanding. Now, let's not be crazy people and say, therefore, wisdom doesn't matter and understanding doesn't matter. But let's be clear. The way to know the power of God is not through more knowledge and secret things revealed. The way to God is Jesus, period. And he's not hiding anything. He goes on, verse 27. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Now, if you're one to write in your Bible, or if you're one to write in our Bibles that you got out from underneath the chair in front of you, this one's really important. No one knows God the Father, except Jesus the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Notice what he's saying. The way to God's power and God's blessing is through Jesus. So another wrong way would be to try to approach Jesus in any other way, except by heeding his invitation to come to him. The path to God's power, blessing, salvation is not through wisdom and understanding. It's not through other saviors. The passage goes on, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now I'm going to try to cut through a whole bunch of nerddom for, for the sake of time and brevity, but most References to yokes in the Bible and biblical language are speaking of law keeping. They're speaking of people who are trying to perform religious actions so that they can come into God's saving power. Jesus is now saying, no, that's the wrong yoke. Don't take that hard yoke upon you. So the way into God's blessing, God's forgiveness, God's saving power is not through more knowledge. It's not through being smarter than everybody. 
It's not through uncovering hidden things that nobody in 2,000 years have seen. That might mean you're the heretic. I digress. But rather, it's through humbly coming to Jesus. It's not through a cacophony of saving voices. It's through Jesus. And it's not through pharisaical law-keeping whereby I prove that I'm acceptable to God, but rather it's bringing all my broken unacceptability before Jesus and saying, I need you. So Jesus is laying out these wrong ways, but he offers second the way. He offers the way. There's an exclusive statement here. Jesus says, I am the way to God, to God's presence, to God's power, to God's salvation, to God's redemption. It all flows through me. So what do I do with this divine reality that the Lord has given me? I invite you to come to me. The invitation is come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The invitation of Jesus has come to me. I'm saying that over and over and over today because I want you to think, I need to go to Jesus. But what's he offering? He says he's offering rest for our souls from the weighty labor and heaviness in our trying to perform well to earn God's blessing. There's a a, a reality that if I know I am separated from God... That, that we all try to overcome that and crawl toward being connected to God. That crawling, that fighting, that performing, that movement is wearisome, heavy, and it's a burden. And Jesus says, guys, ladies, Boys, girls, friends, come to me. Come to me. And I will give you all that you yearn for spiritually. I will make you right with God the Father. I will forgive your sin. I will take away the guilt and the shame and the fear that comes from living in sin. And I will give you the satisfying rest of the love and blessing and favor of your creator. Come to me. This is the rest that I offer. Jeff, I'm going to call a little bit of an audible. Are you good back there? Can you go back into the lyrics of that song we sang right before I came up here? Go, yeah, yeah, go ahead to the very beginning of it, please. I know better pastors would have coordinated this, but I'm not that, so. 
But look, unfaithful, weak, unstable, waiting on God to intervene, weary of asking God to intervene. Can we go to the next one? Bitter, broken, fearful, guilty, hiding, running. I think this is very consistent with what Jesus is saying here. This qualifies you for Christ. This qualifies you for Christ. You don't have to do anything to qualify yourself except to say, I need Jesus. I need him. So in a room this size, on a holiday like Christmas Day, some of you were bludgeoned to be here. This is the last place you want to be, and you can't wait to go home and watch football. We'll be home by the noon kickoff, okay? But hear me. You need Christ. You need him. And you're like, no, I don't. No, I don't. If you can tell me that none of those things that we just sang about explain the reality of who you are when no one's looking, then maybe we should talk. But otherwise, Jesus is simply, clearly, broadly saying, bring all that to me and I will change it because I heal and redeem and restore my people. So perhaps some of you today simply need to meet Christ. If that's where you are, I would actually plead with you to quit listening to me right now. Pray to the Lord and ask him to help you believe that Jesus came to redeem you. But if you don't know how to start that, you can talk to me after the service. Austin right here, I'm going to voluntold him. He would love to talk with you. LJ didn't get a seat today, so he's in overflow area, which means he's right where you need him to be if you need to talk to him about Jesus. And we love all you guys out there. You didn't get to be in here with us, but you got heat. You just remember that, okay? <laughs> and there's some people up here on the front that are like, I might trade with them. There's people in this room that would love to help you consider Jesus today. Now let's turn the dial a little further. I'm a Christian. I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve condemnation and hell, but I also believe Jesus came to to give me salvation and promise me everlasting life. That's all biblical and that's all true. But let's push this a little further. I also believe that Jesus is saying that he came to give you a joyful rest in him now. Now. I believe that that he's saying, hey, fears, brokenness, anxiety, hurt, family situations, which are on display for the next 14 days, all those things. I can so love you and care for you and nurture you and and uplift you and change you that you can experience true rest in me today. Have you ever had one of those days of physical labor where at the end of it, you're like, man, I am not sure that I can untie my shoes to sit down and get in bed. You ever had one of those days? And then your kids won't go to sleep and then somebody needs a snack and then the light got, you know, you know, it just goes. But then you finally lay down 
and you finally turn off the lights and it's finally quiet and you finally quit trying to move your weary bones and there's just this sense of, this is good. You know the moment? Jesus is offering that type of real healing, real blessing, real peace, real joy in all the forms and realms and phases of life and in all the junk that we bring here with us. Now, I'm going to end this way. It, Christian, it's okay to struggle. It's okay to have doubts and anxieties and fears and not know where to turn and not love life if I could punt living my best life from the common vernacular of the world, I would because it's okay to think I don't really like life today, but I have Jesus and I'm gonna lean into him. And what I wanna plead with you is just keep leaning in because he's gonna keep saying, come to me, I am your rest. Don't look elsewhere, look to me. I am your hope, I am your rest, I am your rest. <laughs>